G'day folks, welcome to episode 63 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week, uh, we've got a bit, something a bit different planned. We're going to have a chat with Joe about our recommended uh, reading list for getting into information security. So if you're someone that uh, is interested in InfoSec or you're interested in security, but uh, perhaps you've only really looked at one element or you know, you're know you a software engineer, but you want to know more about security, uh, you'll probably find this quite interesting. Got a kind of great list of books and you know, different things that we like about them. And we're going to do our usual uh, roundup of vulnerabilities and fixes that have been covered in the past week. Plus, we're going to take the time to uh, say a quick thanks to one of our longtime uh, team members and colleagues, Tyler Hicks. But yeah, anyway, so let's just get straight into it. So first up, uh, we've got Firefox. This was updated to the latest upstream release, version 73.0. And as usual with Firefox updates, this includes uh, a bunch of different security fixes. So four different CVEs that were fixed here. Um, all of these were various memory safety issues, plus uh, one issue where there was possible cross-site scripting uh, that was able to be used if a site was using uh, the template tag within a select tag, and it wouldn't then go and stop subsequent JavaScript uh, parsing and execution within that. We also had an update for PHP. So this was three different CVEs fixed across all our supported releases, which is uh, our trusty extended security maintenance, Xenil, Bionic, Eowyn, and even put this back in precise extended security maintenance too. So there was a buffer overread when it was converting multi-byte characters via MB string functions, as well as a separate buffer overread if you're using the fgetSS function to uh, read data whilst also stripping tags. So both of these would likely lead to a crash, uh, but maybe possible information disclosure if it was able to read past the end of the allocated memory and read something else. And there was also a fix for a CPU-based uh, and maybe disk-based denial of service if you were using uh, the PHP FastCGI Process Manager or PHP FBM, uh, because in certain conditions, it would endlessly restart a child process. So you'd have this busy loop of it, you know, trying to restart, 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 and also then you get a large number of errors printed out to the error log, which would fill up your disk. So those have all been fixed for PHP. Clam AV was up next. So this was a single CVE that was fixed for, again, uh, our extended security maintenance releases plus our long-term support releases, uh, Xenial and Bionic, the 16.04 and 18.04, and our current uh, standard release, uh, EO and Ermine, uh, 19.10. In this case, there was an out-of-bounds read in the data loss prevention module. Uh, this is a component of Clam AV that is used to try to scan for uh, credit card numbers and social security numbers and things. Uh, in this case, a crafted email could cause an out-of-bounds read and get it to crash and therefore cause a denial of service against Clam AV. We also had an update for WebKit GTK, so uh, second one of these for the year, I think, already. Uh, five different CVEs here that were addressed for uh, Bionic and Ewan. Uh, in this case, there was various issues able to be triggered via malicious websites. Uh, not a lot of details in these because the upstream WebKit GTK developers keep this pretty brief, but there was a denial of service due to poor memory handling. Uh, there was a chance that uh, the wrong security origin would be tagged uh, for particular uh, DOM objects. There was also the chance for the top-level DOM object incorrectly being considered secure. Uh, there was a logic issue that could lead to a universal cross-site scripting flaw. And finally, there was poor memory handling as well that would lead to possible uh, remote code execution. So anything using WebKit GTK should be uh, protected against those. We had an update for PostgreSQL, uh, one CV for Bionic and Eowyn again. In this case, it was missing authorization checks uh, on using the alter and then depends on extension subcommands. So it could allow uh, an unprivileged user to drop any function, procedure, index, uh, and the like under certain conditions. 
There was an update for QMU, three different CVEs that were fixed for Xenial, Bionic, and Eowyn. In this case, there was a buffer overflow, uh, actually a couple of different buffer overflows in the libslurp uh, TCP emulation code. So one of these was due to the misuse of SNPrintf's return value. So SNPrintf is used for printing uh, like a format string and then some data into a string buffer, uh, or, you know, an array. And the idea is you give it uh, the buffer to print into and the length of that and this format string plus the data and it will print it into there and it will return you back the number of bytes that it had written. Uh, but if it was going to write more bytes than were available in the destination buffer, it will tell you, you know, I would have written, say, 100 bytes, even though you only gave me a buffer of 50 bytes. The problem was that in this case, uh, Libslope was assuming that the return value was the amount of bytes written. And so you would then say, uh, you know, keep accumulating how many bytes you'd written in there. Uh, and you'd get, say, a number that was greater than the actual size of the buffer in the end. And if you then were to go and use that for a later mem copy or something like that, uh, you would end up going beyond the ends of the buffer. So you'd get a buffer overflow. And so the fix here really was to make sure that you just more carefully track that return value and check whether it is actually larger than what you were expecting and to truncate it as a result. As I said, there was a separate buffer overflow as well in uh, another part of the libslurp TCP emulation code due to some missing size checks. Uh, there was also a heap buffer out of bounds right in the iSCSI block driver. In this case, a malicious iSCSI server could trigger this and possibly you know, crash QMU on the host or get code execution on QMU on the host. Uh, so they've all been fixed for QMU. Then last up, we had a bunch of updates for the various kernels. Uh, so I'm going to start with the uh, latest version kernel that we support, 5.3, which is for uh, Ubuntu 19.10 Eonermine and is also used as the hardware enablement kernel for Ubuntu 18.04 long-term support released Bionic Beaver. Uh, in this case, there was a fix for a uh, GPU state leak in Intel i915 driver. Uh, I've actually, I've covered a bunch of these previously, I think back in episode 61. So if you want a few more details, I'm gonna go through these pretty briefly here though, uh, because we've got yeah, a bunch to get through and they're similar across all the various kernels. Uh, there was also a null pointer dereference that was fixed in the Ethereum Wi-Fi driver, a couple of different memory leaks in the crypto subsystem. Uh, there was some operations on the IOU ring subsystem that were missing credential checks. So this is uh, a new subsystem that's been added for um, you know, a new uh, IO path within the kernel. Uh, so you know you could have done poll any poll, and now you can use IO ring for various things. Uh, but in this case, uh, unprivileged users could th do things like add an address to the loopback interface without uh, that being checked. And so you know they would be able to do that, even though they shouldn't have been allowed to. Uh, there was also uh, the virtual console drivers were missing checks on various write operations. Uh, there was an out of bounds write in the KVM subsystem that could be triggered if you had access to dev KVM. Uh, there was a memory corruption on x86 platforms due to a race condition in the caching of floating point registers between different processes so that uh, you could get also potentially get uh, maybe code execution through that and a null pointer dereference in the SCSI SAS class driver due to a race condition during uh, the fire going down during discovery of um, these drivers, oh, sorry, during discovery of these devices. Uh, so they were all fixed for uh, the uh, Eon kernel, as I say, the hardware enablement kernel for Bionic. Uh, there was also fixes for a bunch of other CVEs there, actually 23 different CVEs that were fixed for that kernel, but uh, yeah, due to time constraints, we're not gonna go through all of them. Similarly, we also had an update for the 5.0 kernel that is used uh, for uh, Ubuntu 18.04 
long-term support release on various cloud platforms. So this is for Oracle, AWS, GKE, GCP, Azure, that sort of thing. Uh, again, this included uh, a fix for a use after free in the Intel i915 driver. Uh, there was a Wi-Fi based denial of service if you were using um, it in access point mode. Now, obviously, if you're a cloud uh, user, you're probably not using this in that case, but that was also rolled into that kernel. Uh, there was a memory leak in the datagram congestion control protocol, so DCCP, that could result in a denial of service due to exhaustion of memory. And then a couple that I mentioned previously, the null pointer reference in the SCSI SAS driver and the Intel uh, GPU information leak as well. Uh, we had an update for the kernel in uh, Bionic. This is also used as the hardware enablement kernel in Xenial and for the uh, trusty extended security maintenance Azure kernel. This is our 4.15 based kernel. Uh, so again, this included uh, the i915 use after free. There was uh, the Wi-Fi access point denial of service. So in this case, what would happen is that uh, you could, as an unauthenticated client, you could potentially get the access point to send location updates to other clients uh, before you had finished authenticating. And what that would mean then is that the you know, AP access point would cause other clients to get disconnected. Uh, and you could do that without being authenticated yet yourself. Uh, there was also a fix for, again, the DCCP memory leak, uh, the SCSI SAS null pointer to your reference, KVM out of bounds right, uh, crypto subsystem memory leak, Ethereum Wi-Fi null pointer to your reference, and the i915 info leak. And finally, we had an update for the kernel in Xenial. This is the 4.4 based kernel. This is also used as the hardware enablement kernel for trusty extended security maintenance or 1404 extended security maintenance. Uh, and again, this included fixes for the Intel GPU info leak, SCSI SAS null pointer reference, DCCP memory leak, and the Wi-Fi access point uh, denial of service issue that I talked about just before. And that's it for this week in security updates. Uh, apologies for going quickly through some of those kernel ones, but I uh, didn't want to get too repetitive. Uh, so next up, Joe and I, I thought we'd have a bit of a chat about our recommended reading list for anyone looking to get into information security or anyone that is in information security that wants to kind of broaden, uh, I guess, their knowledge base. Hey, Alex, how's it going? Hey, Joe, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Ah, I'm fantastic. Um, I'm back for another recording of the Ubuntu Security Podcast, and I think we have a pretty cool topic today. Um, today, we are going to talk about the books we think you should read to get into information security, or more importantly, to get better. Because I think, Alex, I mean, like, we were just talking about this. There are so many things in security that you you have to continually learn. You can't ever sort of say, well, I know enough, right? Because you might be an amazing um, pen tester, but... Can you really code secure software? Well, now you need to learn that. But maybe you can code secure software in C, but not in Go and not in Python. So you just have to keep learning. So, um, you know, these are some of the books that we really like in information security. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I am all for continuously learning and improving. And I, I don't know, maybe it's being a bit old school. I do like books. I like the feel of a book and being able to, you know, sit in bed and read from a book generally. Uh, rather than you know sitting at my computer and reading or I don't know reading off of a iPad or Kindle or something it's just just not the same so yeah I really like books in general um, okay. particularly hard you know physical books but anyway yeah so let's do it Joe 
Okay, cool. So I'm going to kick this off with, I think, one of the cheapest books on our list. Well, I guess there's one that's free. But this is the cheapest book that um, I find incredibly useful. It is the Red Team Field Manual by Ben Clark, which I'm holding up to the camera, but this is a podcast, not a vlog, so you can't tell. Um, but it's an awesome little book. Um, it's only, I think, maybe, what is it? It's, it's 100 pages, but um, it covers Linux and Windows, and it covers tools like um, uh, .NET domain commands, TCP dump, SCAPI, Python, uh, wireless commands, um, this is an amazing book that I find incredibly helpful if you're doing incident response. Because usually when you're doing incident response, you're sitting in some data center in a high-rise building and you have no cell signal, so you can't Google commands you don't know. But more importantly, I would encourage someone to buy it and just go through like a few pages a night and practice all those commands. Because not until you type them will you remember, you know, will they really sink in, at least for me. Yeah, definitely. So it's a fan- fantastic book that way because then when you need to actually use these like oh yeah i remember that time i ran it so red team field manual it's awesome um actually joe just looking at that too what i love about that is that you know on the front it says rtfm yes it does say rtfm um and so um read the field manual no (laughs) yeah Um, I like that. Um, so the next one is head-first programming. Because if you're a security person who has stayed more in network engineering or maybe more in um, sysadmin or maybe doing um, assessments or something, um, you, maybe you're not that familiar with programming. Well, head-first programming is a really approachable programming book, um, and you need to have those programming chocks, I think, to be really good at security. Um, so if you already are a programmer, totally skip this, but this uses Python to teach you how to program. It's not your typical O'Reilly book. That is like just a bunch, basically printouts of like the man page. It's not that it's, it's super, um, uh, I'll say exercise driven. Um, I, I think it's fantastic. I used to use it as a, um, a book in the, uh, uh, programming class I, I taught. Um, then the next one is the Linux System Administrator's Handbook by Nemeth et al. I think they're on the fifth edition now. It used to be called, I think, the Unix and Linux System Administrator's Handbook, but nobody talks about Unix anymore. But um, you need to be a sysadmin to be a good security person, right? I just said you need to be a programmer, but you also need to be a good sysadmin. Um, I'm going to say I bought this book in like, I don't know, 1999 or so. And I read it cover to cover because back then it was really interesting that it covered like HPUX and AX and Linux and and I did like every example in it and uh, I mean it took a while because it's a great book but this is one of those that should be on your bookshelf if you're not super familiar with um, system administration because a lot of exploits that we see are poor system administration so um, get that book and learn it um, and uh, we actually had the authors of that book doing a um, assessment of um ubuntu core for us and that should actually come out this week or next week um so that would be pretty neat something to look out for yeah we'll publish that white paper um probably on our uh website soon um so the next one if you haven't read um robert c cord's secure uh coding in c and c plus plus i think also the java one and quite a few other ones but this is I think, for lack of a better term, it's the Bible on secure coding. Um, it's uh, a fantastic, um, fantastic book. I think it's in its second or third edition now. 
Um, you can also get a lot of the information in it for free by, I think, visiting securecoding.org, which is actually a Confluence site I set up 14 years ago. Um, I hope it's still but, not running the same version of Confluence that you set up on it, Joe. Yeah, I don't know. I should see if I still have an account. Um, but, but Robert Secord wrote that when he was at CERT. It's a fantastic book, which brings me to my next one. Um, the CERT Resiliency Management Model, or CERT RMM. This is a guidebook on operational security. It's also a PDF you can download for free. Um, but operational security, what I really like this is when you go, if you've ever talked to a company and said, hey, how should I secure your network What you get, or your business? What you get is every, um, I'll say project owner or department owner saying what they do is the most important. Shipping and receiving things without us, we can't ship a product, we can't make money. Web team says, well, without us, you can't sell a product, so you can't make money. Um, and the uh, payroll says, well, if we can't pay people, nobody's going to work here, so we can't make money, right? So this lets you take a pragmatic approach to securing um, your environment by doing, I'll say, a scientific-based assessment of what is key to your business and identifying risk factors. It's a great book. There's some great worksheets in there you can use if you're doing an assessment of your own company. Um, I would highly encourage you to read CERT RMM. Um, and then The Code Book by Simon Singh. Have you read this, Alex? No, that's one I'm not familiar with, Joe. It's an interesting one. Um, it is a history, I'll say, of encryption. And it starts out with fairly simple ones. Of course, what's the first thing everybody learns about encryption? The Caesar, Caesar cipher. cipher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you learn this. In fact, I'm going to step back here. You should read <clears throat> Head First Programming and then read the first two chapters of the code book. And mm. then in Python, implement the Caesar cipher as... Um, I think with the option to encrypt or decrypt as a command line flag, yep. just so you understand super simple encryption, right? I mean, yep. you're not going to protect your network against somebody with that, right? But you still, it's a great way to learn. You need to learn the basics before you get further. Um, in fact, I think you had a great book you wanted to recommend that had um, uh, uh, that sort of covered some, some, some basics as well as some really complicated things. What book was that? That was Hacking the Art of Exploitation, which... Uh... Yeah, I kind of read that. I've read that a couple of times actually <laughs> over the years, and it's getting a little bit long in the tooth now, but uh, covers a lot of um, well, initially basics of you know things like stack overflows, buffer overflows, um, printf format vulnerabilities, that kind of stuff, and it you know, details like how the you know the heap and the stack are laid out and mm -hmm. kind of how that all works, and then it goes into little bits of um, some things about round mitigations and things as well but it uh yeah really kind of takes you from the basics right to some really in-depth things and as i say it's getting a little bit older now in that um you know we have some more advanced uh mitigations against some of these things like the stack canaries and um the uh the hardening built into the linker and stuff like that so that you you know you've got the global object table that is read only and things like that so uh, some of these things don't, you know, you can't actually run them out of the box mm -hmm. anymore on a modern, say, Ubuntu um, because of the some of the hardening we do. But it is a really good way if you are wanting to get into um, particular like capture the flag exercises mm -hmm. and things like that, where you're going to have to actually try to write some you know, exploits and things like that yourself. That's a really cool way to also understand, I guess, just the low levels again of how yeah, memory management works and things like that in, in particularly in languages like C and the like where... That's where a lot of these vulnerabilities come from because, uh, yeah, when you mentioned the, uh, the secure coding book, uh, you know, that one from CERT, 
yeah, uh, you know, these are still some of the most prevalent vulnerabilities that are getting exploited. Uh, and it's uh, in the age now of IoT and when you've got um, various organizations, you know, deploying IoT stacks, but they haven't enabled, say, hardening flags in their tool chains and things like that. You actually can use some of these older vulnerability techniques against that kind of stuff so it is still relevant even though um yeah on a modern linux machine maybe you know you can't leverage this stuff but on certainly some some particular it platforms you can yeah i mean that's yeah. sounds fantastic um actually have you have you and you probably read it a long time ago like i did smashing the stack for fun and profit by alef one yeah. yeah so um, there I mean, yeah that, that one comes up everywhere i reckon um such a seminal because it's a, article. Yeah, it's a yeah. free PDF, you know? Yeah. You should definitely yeah. um, put that on your phone and read it when you're on the train or print it out and just read it. It's great. Everybody should read that at least once. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, um, there's a, a a great book called Black Hat Python um, by Justin Seitz. It's um, examples of using Python, uh, I'll say, in security scenarios. So it's only like a $27 book or maybe $20 book. Um, and it's... Yep. It's um, it's maybe a few hundred pages, but it's definitely worth going through. It's a really example driven. Um, that's a pretty good book. You don't read that first though. Read, know how to program uh, some language before you jump on that. If you can program in any language, you can grab it and go. But it's a good one. I hear there's a new one coming out for uh, Black Hat Go. I hear it's coming out. Oh, so cool. I think I'm totally gonna buy that because I need to yep. brush up on my Go. Um, and then uh, the Cuckoo's Egg by Cliff Stoll. Everybody should read that. Now, it happened you've a long mentioned time ago. this before, Joe, on the podcast. Yeah, I, totally I can't have. remember which episode it was, but Man, uh, yeah, record. you've mentioned it, and I still no. Well, I still haven't read it. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can buy it for That's Amazon. I'm going to have to read this. I'm going to have to buy this and read it. Uh, I'm hoping it's not super long, but I'm going to read it on the plane to Frankfurt. You totally should. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think it is less than the cut the price of a cup of coffee. It's been in awesome. print so long now, um, but it's a good one. Um, it's about an actual hack that happened um, and how they, I mean, granted, the technology, the, the techniques, I mean, I haven't read it in a long time, but the techniques they used um, uh, to find them would be, you know, today we'd run TCP dump, but back then they printed out every command that went over the modem, right? Yep. And that's how they awesome. tracked down what they did, right? So it's just really great. Um, so everybody should read that. And the last thing I have is, you know, you have to stay current and um, we can't keep buying books all the time because they do get a little bit expensive but um i highly recommend linux pro magazine um you know uh for instance they'll talk about um docker and kubernetes and lexd and things like that that are just hard to stay up on yourself but then they'll also have things like example of python actually let me just pull a current issue off my stack of new mail that i got um let's see um it's got GNU, Stow, Cryptomator, Encryption Tool for the Cloud, um, uh, GUI, Source Copy. I haven't read it, but um, I haven't opened this one yet. And it it's still in the wrapper. Well, wow. it's still in the wrapper because I, because yeah. anyhow, it's it's a fantastic thing um, to read because it keeps you current. Um, also, I've had a couple articles in there, so I mean, don't let anybody get an article in there if they let me. But um, <laughs> you can, you can. I mean, it's showing you the kind of uh, people that are. Um, you know, I'll say contributing to it. So it's a great magazine and you should, you should definitely pick up a copy. Yep. Um, that's really, I mean, there's, like you said, you just, there's always so many cool things to read. Um, if you are, are, um, 
valued listener is um, can can recommend anything, you know, throw it up in our in our um, Twitter. Show us, uh, tell us what you think is a great security book, um, either to get started or to keep um, you know continually learning. Share with us; we'd love to hear it because there's just so many things we. We try our best to stay on top of it, but, you know, I'll go to a, a conference or a meetup and somebody will ask me about something. I'm like, what? No, nope, I haven't even heard of that. Okay, well, now I need to know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think uh, this would be a great one to start a topic in our security section of discourse.ubuntu.com. I think I'll I'll put down this list of, you know, the books that we're talking about here in that. Uh, but, yeah, if anyone has their own recommendations, come come by and, yeah, let us know. Cool. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening again. Um, do you have any questions? Let us know. Oh, and download a beta of um, Focal. Um, yeah. Ubuntu 2004. Give it a shot. Let us, um, if you have problems, let us know. Open a bug report. We're, um, it's, it's getting close to, uh, to being ready to release our next LTS with 10 years of support. Yeah, Feature Freeze is in another week or two, I think. So, yeah, it's not going to be far off. Uh, come April, that will that is the next LTS. So, yeah. Thanks, Joe. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks again for that, Joe. All right, so just to uh, finish off this week's episode, I thought I would just quickly take the time uh, to say thanks to one of our longtime colleagues, Tyler Hicks, also known as Ty Hicks in IRC and uh, elsewhere. Uh, he's been a longtime member of the Ubuntu security team and then more recently a member of the Ubuntu kernel team at Canonical. Uh, he has helped kind of shape a lot of the way that we do security and helped support us a lot in the kernel side of things in particular and handling of things like, uh, you know, Intel um, latest uh, speculative execution flaws and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so Tyler, thanks very much uh, for being a great uh, colleague and a great friend to a lot of us. And we wish you well in your future endeavors. Uh, I'm sure we will still see you kicking around in uh the Linux kernel circles and doing kernel development work and security work. Uh, so yeah, we wish you all the best. Thanks, mate. All right, uh, that takes us to the end of this week's episode. As usual, if you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us at security at ubuntu.com or you can chat to us by IRC in the Ubuntu Harden channel on irc.freenote.net. Uh, we are also, as I mentioned uh, with Joe, we have the security section on discourse.ubuntu.com and you'll be able to find on there a bit of discussion about uh, our, our reading list. And finally, if you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Ubuntu underscore sec. So thanks again for listening, everyone, for another week. Uh, it's been great doing this again. Uh, and I will speak to you again next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back. Bye.